Hello, and welcome to The Faculty Chronicles, TFC, a podcast sponsored by the Turo Center on Excellence in Teaching and Learning and the Office of the Provost. Your TFC podcast hosts are me, Professor Gina Bardwell, and Dr. Elizabeth Uni. Across academic disciplines, Turo faculty are producing great work, and the Faculty Chronicles wants you to hear all about it. TFC podcasts will highlight faculty chatting about their favorite project in research, teaching, learning, science, medicine, technology, and so much more. So let's get busy building community, connection, and continuous conversation Turo-wide. Our next Faculty Chronicle guest is on deck waiting to chat. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of The Faculty Chronicles, sponsored by the Toro Center of Excellence in Teaching and Learning. I'm Elizabeth Uni, co-host of this podcast from the Toro College of Pharmacy in New York. Today, we have Dr. Brandy Stern with us as the guest. Dr. Stern is the academic dean with the Toro School for Lifelong Education. She's also the director of the Freshman Center, a program aimed for high school students who can earn college credits. Dr. Stone got her undergraduate in psychology from Brooklyn College, her master's in social work from the University of Pennsylvania. She received her PhD in social policy and administration from the CUNY Graduate Center. Dr. Stone, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. So to start with Dr. Stone, can you tell us a little bit about your journey at Toro? When and where you started with Toro? And where are you now? Oh, wow. Okay. So I actually started at Turo um, probably about 20 years ago. I adjuncted for a few courses. Um, I taught some psych courses. And then I took a little bit of a break. I went back to get my PhD. And after I completed my PhD, I joined the School for Lifelong Education as an assistant to the dean who was actually planning to retire. She trained me into her position. And after she left, I became the assistant dean at the School for Lifelong Education. And I've been in that position for the last 14 years. It's been just a wonderful experience. I moved on from being an assistant dean there. I am still the dean there, but I've been promoted to academic dean. I'm director of the Freshman Center, which I took on that role about five years ago. And just to quickly explain what the Freshman Center is, if I could, it's a dual credit program where students who are in 12th grade are able to take courses while they're in high school and earn college credits. These are high schools that have a relationship with Turo. Their courses have been approved as college level courses. Their teachers have been approved to teach on a college level. And the students are able to earn up to 12 credits a semester while they are in 12th grade. The program that I work with is basically the Freshman Center is with the Orthodox um, Jewish schools. It's just been wonderful because it, it really, really jumpstarts the students in their education and it gives them an introduction to Tarot and it's just a wonderful program. So you are yeah. the academic dean at the School of Lifelong Learning. So that's a very unique name for a school, the School of Lifelong Education. Wow. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that program? How long the school has been there? What's the need for such a program? 
So the School for Lifelong Education was actually started in, I believe, 1986. So it's been around for many, many years. It was started by Dean Jerome Miller, may he rest in peace. Um, he created this program for the Orthodox Jewish community. Most of the students were actually from what we consider, depending where you're standing, the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community. It was for students who were married, had kids, had a family, were juggling a lot. And this program allowed them to take classes and to earn a degree in a secure environment where they were being handheld, but also their program was created so in a flexible way so that they were able to schedule classes around A, the Jewish holidays, around their schools, their children's schedule. The classes are offered in different modalities, and it just made it much, much more flexible for them. Jerome Miller started this program. However, he worked with Shoshana Grun, who came on, I think, a year after he started it, and she really took over the program, and she really, really made it what it was. Shoshana, unfortunately, retired at the beginning of this year, but she really made the program a program that worked for the community. She came from the community, and she made sure that the students were being taught in a way that they could handle it and that they could understand it. The program, as I said, it, it had three modalities. The modalities are that they were either taught in classroom format, which is the traditional way that we think of classes that you meet once a week for two and a half hours, or there are collaboratives, which meet every other week so that the students were doing some work in the class and some work they do at home. And then mentorials, which is guided learning, where the instructor works with the student one-on-one. -on -one. And this program has been running successfully since then. And like I said, until this year, Shoshana has really been the one who has been the driving force. When I joined, yeah, I took over the academic dean part, but she was the one who does who did all the recruitment and the working with the students. And it's really was really her baby. And I hope to be able to continue it. So when you say that the courses are offered in three modalities, the traditional modality, the collaborative one and the mentorial one, but the outcomes or the learning goals and the learning outcomes are all the same for all the three modalities. Yes, more or less set up which classes are going to be offered as classes, which are going to be offered as collaboratives and which will be offered as mentorials. However, we can change that around. Like if there are some students who need a course and it's not being offered that semester as a mentorial, we can offer it as a mentorial, even though we often offer it as a collaborative or a class, because as you said, the outcomes, the goals for the class, they're all the same, no matter what the mo modality is. And the student walks out knowing the information the same way, no matter which way they've taken the course, because that's how the courses are created. They're created to cover the same material. So can you, can you, for the audience who are listening to this, can you give us an example of a course that is being offered in the mentorial way, one which is being offered in the collaborative way? Because I think the traditional one, we all know how that works out. A collaborative course, like for example, if the students were taking abnormal psychology, it's not an introductory level course. It's a little bit more advanced. Um, the class would usually it runs as a small size because it was actually this program was actually created to mimic the idea of what's known as a Chabura, which is a small group um, of people who learn together 
and they help each other learn the information, but then they also will go home and prepare the information. And then they come back and they review it. So that's basically the model that it follows. So it's a small class so that you know more information can be covered in a shorter amount of time when they're face-to-face. They would meet one week in person, learn the material, the instructor will teach it, they'll run it as a, a class, but in a more accelerated fashion. And then the next, the over the next two weeks until they meet again, the professor usually gives work where the student will cover some of the material on their own, which the class will then also review, but cover additional information when they meet two weeks later. You're covering material in a more accelerated fashion because a lot of it is being self-taught where the main points are being covered in the class. Uh, the students have a midterm, they have a final, some classes they have a paper, they have a paper as well. Um, so that would be the collaborative. Mentorial, some people think of it as an independent study. You know, we all know what independent studies are, but usually when you think of an independent study, it's like you meet a professor at the beginning of the year, they hand you a packet of papers and say, see you at the end of the semester, just give me the work. And it, uh, mentorial works differently. It follows the style of guided learning which is that a professor will work with the student. You know, I once explained this method to a bunch of professors and they were like, wow, who has the time to do this? Which instructor has the time to do this? What we have is that the student is required to meet with the professor five to seven times over the semester, depending, you know, how much time the student needs, but also how much time is needed to cover the material. And the professor will give the student an assignment and then go over the assignment with the student that they've done, but also make sure to cover points that the students seem to have not been able to grasp when they did the assignments. So there's, you know, giving in work, the professor checking the work, the professor covering material, making sure that the student knows the material, also prepping the student for the next assignment, making sure that they are able to do the work. It's definitely a lot more than the traditional independent study that we think of. And again, the student has midterms, finals. It runs the same way as any other course would run. So when you compare these three modalities, you know, obviously there is a, an advantage for each of them. And What's the number of students who takes each of these kind of modalities? Like, I'm just throwing a number. So if, if there are 10 students in the traditional classroom, how many students compared to that, how many students are in the collaborative modality and how many are there in the mentorial modality? The mentorials will always be one-on-one, but we could have a professor meeting with, you know, anywhere between one student to 14, 15, 16 students over a semester. It depends. Some of the classes are more popular than others. And as always, some of the professors are more popular. Some of the professors are able to handle meeting more students in a semester than others. And we're aware of that. Uh, Many of the professors who teach mentorials teach a number of them. So in one of their mentorials, they might have one student, but in another, they may have 12. But we break it up in terms of sections. But they will, depending on the popularity of that course. For collaboratives, we usually try to keep it smaller because like I said, we want it to move. So it could be anywhere between three to five students going up to seven, but we try not to make it more than that because we just want it to be something that's functional so that the 
course is able to run. It also depends on how many students we have a semester. That's usually the way it, it works. Got it. So when we started, you said that this course or this program is developed for married people who are Orthodox Jewish. But, you know, when we think about New York, uh, a lot of people have uh, multiple responsibilities. You know, there are so many of our students who come to our undergraduate programs or even the graduate approach programs have families. They're already working. Uh, so this is a kind of program that can actually work for anyone, actually. Now, when you think about, you know, like the travel time it takes in New York to make Take you to the college and go back. Uh, the cost of traveling, everything taken into consideration. This is something that can be taken by anyone. So, can you tell us a little bit more about the, the the students who are coming to this program? You know, who are they? You know, what are their backgrounds? Uh, what what are their goals? You know, why are they coming to this program? Uh, or what are the trends uh, that you see in the demographic of the students who come to this program? That's a loaded question. Um, the, so the program was, as I said, originally started in the heart of Borough Park, which for those of you who don't know, Borough Park is the heart of like the ultra Orthodox Hasidic community and much more so 20, you know, something years ago, it was definitely a hub. And it was then started with keeping in mind that many of these students did not have a strong secular background. So there was definitely a lot of extra training that had to be done in terms of English and math, introducing them to topics that they may not have had in high school, which we consider normal for the regular student to have. But these students came in with such a fire that they wanted to learn that it was just a great population to work with. Our students are very, very driven. Over the years, um, there has been a shift in our student body. And a lot of that has to do with just simple demographics. And a lot of the students who would have come to us have moved to other places. But it's also a shift in competition that's out there. We've seen there's been a, many, many other programs, fast programs have opened up in the Borough Park neighborhood, um, online programs that they're using or quicker programs um, are available. And we've also seen a shift in the education that's happening in the high schools where many of the students do have a stronger background when they come to us. But our the idea of, of helping students who do not have a strong secular background is definitely still there. And we do work with those students and they do come to us. At the beginning of this semester, we actually did move out of Bar Park and we are now at the Ocean Avenue campus on Avenue J. We um, there's a big, beautiful building there that we they have room for us there and we moved in there. And if we were to look at what our student body is now, it's definitely changed from that. We still have a nice number of Hasidic students and ultra Orthodox students who come and married students who come because they want that flexibility. But we also have the non-traditional students who's looking for life experience credits because we do offer life experience credits. Um, and that's the idea of a student being able to show that they have worked for years, for example, in education. And over that experience that they've earned, they actually have covered all of the material that's in a course. For example, if we were to look at a an education course of literacy from one to six, if you have grades one to six, if you have a woman who or a man who has taught in those, taught that subject for 20 years, they may be able to show you ex their experience in a portfolio indicating that they actually 
have enough knowledge of that subject that wouldn't compare what, what goes on in a classroom teaching that. So um, we offer that. So we are open to students who are non-traditional students who have been out of school. They, you know, let's say they started college years ago. They're coming back. They want to complete their degree now. They have busy lives, but this schedule and this flexibility works for them. We are also open to students who have life experience, which they'd like to get credits from. If a student can show that they earned it, I think it's up to 40 credits of life experience. So that is something that definitely people in the community want, but we're also getting people who are not from the ultra-Orthodox community who are interested in trying to get life experience credits. So it's it's shifted a little. We have the non-traditional student, but we're looking at a different population maybe of what we thought of as a non-traditional student 20-something years ago. Very interesting. Meeting such a need of the community uh, and giving credit to people who have worked, you know, that's how the real life is. They work and they have learned it on the way. So that's good. That's good. Anytime when we think about a program, one thing that we always want to know is that um, the evaluation of the outcomes, right? You know, what is happening at the end of it? Because it's, it's a great concept and you are doing it for 20 some years and sure it is a successful program. So can you share us a bit about the program's outcomes, the way you evaluate it and what have you seen as the outcomes? I can tell you since I'm doing this, we've had students who have started at basically not being able to write papers. They started with no secular background, having gone to Hasidic schools that didn't stress a secular background. We've worked with those students and we've had students from that background who have gone to Harvard Law School. And we've had students from that background who have gone to medical school. There are students who have graduated from this program, I should use the word actually alumni, who have masters, they have doctorates, they've they're working in schools or in like hospitals, legal offices. We basically cover the gamut where people have gone. There's no limit. When we look at the Hasidic community, many of the schools that are there, their principals are graduates of our program. You know, they started by us, got their bachelor's degree by us, and then continued on, whether it be at, at a time that Toro didn't have an education department yet, so they went to different programs, but many of them completed their degree in Toro's graduate ed program. You want to know how do we evaluate our successes? We walk down the streets. I mean, Shoshana Grun always talks about it. If you meet her, she'll she'll tell you, you know, she'll go to a wedding or she'll go walk down the street and she'll meet people who are, they'll, able, they'll be able to tell her, look where I am now because of your program. I'm a director of a school or I'm a, working in a, in a hospital or I'm a PA or I'm a psychiatric PA. And it's just, there are stories one after the other. And she has a host of successes. I think of myself as a newbie compared to her, but I meet people and they'll tell me, you have no idea how your program changed my life. And it's just wonderful to be able to evaluate it that way. It's a success or stories that, that we actually see alive. But then again, like every other program, we evaluate it at the end of the semester where we, you know, look and see the students have graduated. How many graduates do we have? But how many haven't completed? But we actually have a very high success rate in terms of graduation because we do a lot of handholding. When the students come in, we really, really 
walk them through the program and make sure that they graduate. And there are so many students who have come to me the first day and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the oldest student in the class, right? You have a whole bunch of like little girls or little boys who are in the class and I'm going to be so much older than them. Like, no, I guarantee you there will be older students than you. And yes, some of them are older than their professors who are standing in front of the classroom and they're like, oh my gosh, and I'm starting off and I have no credits and I'm never going to finish. And I always you know, I have to tell them, look, we're going to do it semester by semester. We're going to get you through this. And it's amazing to me how quickly time flies. And it's almost like this time flies. They're walking down that aisle at graduation so quickly. It's amazing. Wow, that's, that's, that's really beautiful. That's very beautiful. Something that you said, as we do all those metrics, we look at the graduation rate, you know, time to graduation, everything. But the real success is when people approach you and say, hey, look where I am now because of your program. That, that's, a, that's a beautiful way to say how good the program is. Congratulations for such a beautiful program that you have developed. Before we wrap up, I have one more question. So to anyone who's listening to, to this program, what are the kind of the tracks or you know the courses that you have? So I understand that psychology is one. Uh, what are the other graduate courses that you have, like the main ones? Uh, the Terra School for Lifelong Education actually offers associate degrees, which are you know degrees that s- students earn after they earn sixty credits, and they have to, of course complete some requirements for that. It's considered like the first degree. It's an associate degree. Um, and we offer that an associate in, in liberal arts, which every student who comes into our program starts off as an associate student, and then they get matriculated into the bachelor's program. And we also offer BA degrees or BS degrees in traditional subjects such as psychology, education. We can offer it in human services or Judaic studies as well. One of the other degrees, which is really where we have most of our students completing their degree in is what's called interdisciplinary degrees. And those degrees are where we combine two areas of study. It's not a major and a minor, although that's how many students think of it. It's considered a primary concentration and a secondary concentration where a student will focus on two areas and then we connect them with what's called a bridge course. So their major, just like any major runs between 30 to 70 credits, their major will also run about 32 credits to 36 credits, where, for example, many students will do a primary concentration in education and a secondary in psychology. And they'll take a course, Psych of the Exceptional Child, which sort of bridges the two areas together. We have students who will do Judaic studies in one area and economics in another area. And then they'll take a course like Jewish business ethics, which will combine the courses and What that allows for them is to actually have experience and have information from two different areas. And then they can go out to continue on. You know, the students who have done psychology and education, many of them will go on and do special ed. Students who have done, we have economics and policy. A lot of those students will end up going to law school. We combine different areas. We have many students also who have done sciences like biology and psychology and those students will apply to PA school or OT school or those schools which want you to have both of those backgrounds. So that's where we mainly focus in terms of interdisciplinary degrees, but we also have a a strong number of students who, who will go for straight psychology degrees and 
if a student comes to us and they start off and they decide that they want to get a degree that we do not offer, we basically help them get to where they want to go. So if we're unable to give them the bachelor's degree that they want, for example, a student who would like to major in accounting and we don't give an accounting degree, we will help them up to a certain point and then we'll help them transfer to Flatbush Avenue J campus or another program that does offer one of those degrees. And we make sure that they're ready and prepared to go to that program. Wow, that's so beautiful. Well, uh, thank you, Dr. Stone, for such a wonderful talk. Uh, it was such a pleasure listening to the School for Lifelong Education and uh, the, the students that who come there and the way your faculty and your administration is working with them to help them reach where they want to be and then let them go to the world. That is, that is such a beautiful way that you, you expressed it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was wonderful joining. Thank you. Thank you to all our listeners signing off. Elizabeth Uni, your podcast co-host. Until the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Faculty Chronicles, TFC, Turo's podcast featuring the projects and work of faculty throughout the Turo College and University system. TFC is sponsored by the Office of the Provost and Kettle, the Center for Excellence in Teaching and Learning. We hope you like what you heard and will keep listening. So join us next time on the Faculty Chronicles as we highlight and share faculty achievements that build community, connection, and continuous conversation.